Hello, and welcome to the Phuket Stories Podcast. I'm your moderator, Saigon Steve. On this special podcast episode, we'll talk with military personnel who were stationed in Vietnam and talk with them about their extraordinary experiences. This podcast is pre-recorded, but you're invited to participate on future podcasts by emailing your contact information to phuketstories at gmail.com. That's phuketstories at gmail.com. So let's get started with today's special guests. Today we're talking with two special guests. Jan Scruggs, who's the founder of the Vietnam War Memorial in Washington, D.C., and another Army person, John Weber, who fought the war in Vietnam in 1969. Jan, would you like to ask the first question, or do you want me to ask the first question? Well, I would just note that uh, I've had a life filled with meeting interesting and powerful people, senators, congressmen, generals, prime ministers, uh, almost all the U.S. presidents uh, since the Carter administration. So I'm doing uh, these podcasts uh, on special request uh, uh, to talk about some of the most amazing people that I've met. And John Weber is sort of right at the top of the list there. Uh, fascinating guy. And John, can you tell me, I'm just curious, uh, tell me about your, your neighborhood, your parents growing up. What, what, what was it like and where was it? It's a town called Belleville, Illinois, and it's in the St. Louis metropolitan area on the Illinois side. It was its history was as a uh, it's about forty thousand people, and it's a manufact was a manufacturing town. It still has some manufacturing, but like many places in the Midwest, it sort of seems probably seen better days, I guess, with respect to the to the manufacturing part of it. Uh, Blue collar neighborhood, and I believe everybody in my neighborhood. Uh, served in the military in some fashion. I don't think there's anybody that I'm excluding. So it was that kind of, it was a blue-collar neighborhood in a blue-collar town in the St. Louis metropolitan area. In 1968, you're graduating from high school, and you say to yourself, I guess it's, might as well go in the military, is that correct? You know, uh, I looked at, uh, my mom died recently this summer, and going through some stuff, and I, I looked at some old yearbooks, and I, I noticed people writing in there to me, you know, be, you know, be careful over there and make sure to duck and things like that. So, no, <laughs> I, I didn't remember it. I didn't remember exactly, but I must have signed up uh, be, uh, while I was still in high school. I know I signed up when I was – well, I volunteered for the draft when I was 17, and they couldn't draft you until you turned 18. So the idea was I'd volunteer for the draft, and then as soon as I turned – 18, then uh, then they would uh, be drafted, and turns out I was. It was six days after I turned 18. I was I was um, on a down St. Louis downtown St. Louis a federal building, getting ready to go to in a in a bus with some other draftees to uh, Fort Leonard Wood. That was in August of 1968. And that was one way for many of the listeners to this podcast. Uh, back then, there was the draft selective service. And uh, you could wait for them to come to you, or you could go to them and say, I'm ready to be drafted. Let me know when, when I can report. So uh, most people don't realize that. 
So you ended up in Vietnam, of all places, and then after the first couple of days there, what was your first operation that they put you on? I just remember when I first got there, I think it was, it was, uh, it's Tonsonute, is that the, right, is that the air, is that the, uh, yeah, Tonsonute is the air yeah. base that was the pl- replacement place, yeah. Right, so we went, so then we, we got on a bus and went to, uh, like, a staging area, and it had, yeah. uh, it had, you know, the shields, you know, for the, you know, that, for the, you know, the patches for the divisions, uh, mm-hmm. and then you were told, you were told to go, you know, stand in line at, at the, you know, whichever division you, or whichever unit you were, you, your name was called and you were assigned to. So, uh, you know, for me, that was the, the AmeriCal division. Uh, so my first few days were, you know, spent kind of processing in. Not that long after, I got on a C-130 and headed up to, um, to Chulai, which is, you know, um, more, you know northern part of, of uh, South Vietnam. Yeah. So paint a picture for people who don't have never can even imagine what you were doing. So they say, okay, what kind of weapon did they give you? So they gave me a, a, uh, an M79 grenade launcher. Uh, I was a, I was a really good shot. Uh, you know, I had, I had always, you know, shot when I was younger and, um, didn't know it. I really didn't realize I was a good shot because I just thought everybody could, could do this. Yeah. And it turns out, it turns out, no, I was, I was. So they gave me this, um, this M79 grenade launcher. It was called the Thumper. Uh, and, and it had some, it had some advantages to it. You know, so the rounds were heavy. Um, but you didn't have to, you know, there are certain things you didn't have to do. You didn't have to, you know, carry uh, M60 machine gun rounds and that sort of thing because you had your own issues with, with the weight of your, of your uh, rounds. Uh, they also would, would have given me a 45 to carry as well because the M79 is a single shot breach, you know, uh, breach loaded, um, you know, basically kind of a uh, short, and, uh, and you know, shotgun kind of that's what it looks like that's what it acts like it has a kick of about a 12 gauge shotgun now were you helicoptered out to the jungle to or did they pick you up by helicopter and move your unit to different places in vietnam or, or yeah yeah so i remember being in a helicopter and uh going over flying over over this jungle uh you know very green very lush very thick and i saw a flare come up and the chopper pilot says, there's your home for the next year, pal. And, you know, mm-hmm. he put me down and people, my, my, my colleagues, my future colleagues were emerging out of, out of the jungle to greet me. And when was the first time you came under enemy fire? Do you remember? I don't remember exactly, but it, it was often. It, was like, it wasn't like, a, I wouldn't say, you know, blazing gun battles, but, you know, there, there were, um, there, there were uh, shots taken at you. You take fire occasionally, especially when you come out. When you're in the jungle, maybe not so much. They can't really mm-hmm. see you, uh, and they can't get a clear shot at you. But uh, oftentimes, when you got in the clearings, you get you know, some rounds would be fired, and we we return fire. So yeah. it was more like that. That was often. So how long were you doing this before you were wounded? So uh, I got so I'd say about three months. Three and a half months, I guess, before I was wounded. Tell us what it was like being wounded. Did you see the person shooting at you? Uh, what what happened? Uh, well, so we, um, we we were in a free fire zone in Quen, it's Quen, 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 uh province, which we were sort of a 
if you took a triangle, it was you know, from Da Nang to uh, to Chulai, and then took that it took that out to the to the west. That's about where we were. Equal distance between Chulai and Da Nang, and in the mountain area there. Um, and we saw in a valley movement, which obviously shouldn't have been, and called in air supply air air support. I was I think it was marine air support, and we. Um, you know, we were young and um, kind of watch, watching the fireworks and not paying attention to things going on around us, which we probably should have. And then as soon as we were, as soon as we, um, we were headed for our evening for a night logger, so we weren't, we weren't on squad patrol, we, so we had full packs. And uh, so I just put my pack on and took a few steps, and then we started getting some, I guess we were ambushed, and it was you know, incoming, and and you know, it all happens very fast. And I, um, I just felt my first of all, I was, my first reaction was that there was, um, well, artillery is close, you know, closer than they should be, closer than normal, because you, know, you could smell the gunpowder. And and so, and but then I, and then I was on my back, and I go, why am I on my back? And and I started hearing people yell for medics, and I go, okay, well, that's why I'm on my back. But you don't immediately feel feel any pain. It's um, you're kind of stunned, I guess. And, and then you're in and out of consciousness, and I was, we were in thick jungle, so we, I had to be carried out. My buddies carried me out to our, so a chopper could come pick, pick me up. There were four of us wounded. Nobody got killed in that skirmish, just four of us wounded. Why don't you tell the story of, of your recovery and how long it took to recover and how close you came to maybe not recovering? Yeah, so, so the first place I went was a, a field hospital in Chulai, and... Um, uh, I don't remember much of it really. Um, I do remember though that that the general or somebody came by and gave me my purple heart and, and you know pinned it on the pillow type of thing because I you know I had I didn't I had one arm had an IV you know, board attached to it and the other arm was taped to my body and you know, so I didn't have I didn't you know didn't have any way of 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 collecting it from the guy. Um, and then, then after that, um, it flew down to to Cameron Bay, which is a big hospital down there. And uh, was I think I had surgery there. I don't remember. This is all really a blur. Um, and then from from Cameron Bay to Camp Drake, which is outside of uh, Tokyo in Japan, uh, and uh, had surgery there. And then uh, I, uh, I was sent home. To uh, the U.S. and uh, for, and back in those days, we didn't obviously have iPhones and emails and that sort of thing. So my my parents really didn't know, you know, w- what was going on with me. There was a a taxi apparently came came to the house and um, delivered a telegram that said I had been wounded, but you know, and and and, and that, you know, more information would come, which of course it never did, and. Um, so they knew I was wounded, but they hadn't heard anything. And so this is probably about uh, two or three weeks, maybe later, that I was able to, uh, with a lot of pain and a lot of effort, I got to a phone and was able to call them and tell them that I was, that I was coming home and, and that I was, I was going to be coming to Scott Air Force Base Hospital, which is Scott Air Force Base is outside of St. Louis, so they'd be able to visit me. Um, and, you know, then I had... Surgeries at Scott Air Force Base, but that's when I got. A, that's when my wounds became infected, and you know, serious, serious uh, fevers, and um, you know, I really. I mean, it was really 
really touch and go. And, um, you know, the doctor basically said to, to me, where you're going to live. And I, you know, I, I suspected that might have been an issue, but I wasn't sure. Um, but, you know, it's better than, it's better to hear that than, than the alternative, I guess. So eventually they, they retired you from the U.S. Army because you had these wounds. You were hit with grenade fragments from a, an RPG, I believe, and an AK-47 rifle. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So it was a so, so yeah. So it was hit with on my right side with fragments from an RPG, and then I guess I was after I was on the ground, I was probably writhing with pain, and I got hit in the left leg and it threw the calf. So you know, not the bone or anything, uh, with a small arms fire. Not sure. Yeah, if it was theirs or ours. Could have been either. You know. Well, I'd like to interject at this point here for our uh, vast li- listening audience that uh, uh, John Weber is uh, one of the premier patent and copyright attorneys uh, in America and has a trial lawyer and uh, very extremely successful in, in many ways. Uh, he's been a mentor to many other young people who are lawyers. And uh, he recently retired and decided uh, that he deserved to have one of the new mid-engine Corvettes. So this is Rag to Riches, and uh, this is John Weber one of the great uh, great Americans I've met over my years. He has also helped uh, with, with me with the Global War on Terror Memorial. We're, gonna, uh, we're helping the veterans of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan to, to uh, get a national monument in Washington, D.C. So what do you think, John? I mean, we all went to Vietnam. The country went to Vietnam. This was an international sort of... Uh, event it was on the news every night uh, was this a wise course of foreign policy should we have tried harder to win should we have how do you feel about the vietnam war when you think about it in in, in terms of geopolitics and and politics what do you think well i mean now i know more and and i'm a you know an aged adult and so i look at it probably not that it, not that uh, different than anybody else looks at it in a scholastic sense, but in a in a, in a personal sense, uh, it 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 is. Um, I, I didn't I didn't really know, you know, and my my family probably didn't really know what what it was we were doing there, and we just you know followed the party line, and if our government has done this and made it and, and you know the, we put them in charge of making these decisions for us and they made the sure. decision and so so you don't give it much thought but what what you do and one of the reasons why i i think maybe the driving reason why i i, I wanted to do this is because um there are americans over there fighting and um and my my sense of patriotism is very is very personal my sense of patriotism is uh, is that what is it other than um, caring for your fellow American? It's got to be that. It can't be anything else, and, yeah. uh, and not down to its its core. And so this idea of of flag lapel pins and hugging the flag and all this stuff is not, in my mind, patriotism. It's 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 being there for your fellow American. And and, and so if there's somebody over there fighting, anybody's over there fighting, wearing an American uniform, and I'm. I'm um, able to fight too. I'm not special, and and so I need to be there too. That was my driver. And so, whether it was the right thing to do, whether it was the right war, it didn't matter. It, you know, there's Americans over there fighting. Yeah. 
Well, that's an important message for people to hear. Uh, as you may know, some of the listeners may know, I was appointed by President Obama as chairman of the Selective Service <laughs> Commission. I'm also a lawyer, so we would look at cases of people who refused to go for moral and other reasons. But uh, when America's at war, you have an opportunity, you have a, a duty to do something to help us win or to help us do what we need to do, and putting your life on the line deserves the highest highest praise, and that's exactly what John did. That's what I did. It's what uh, a couple of million people did over there in Vietnam. 2.7 million Americans served there, and uh, it was a great honor. So I think that's what we needed to hear from you. And now we have Saigon Steve, and he probably has one big question for you or two. Yeah, John, my question is this, that Psalm 37 in the Bible saved your life. Tell us about that. Oh, right. Uh, so I, <laughs> I, uh, so if when you come into the, when you first you know, come into uh, reception, and I forgot now what it was even called, but when you're at the, just get to the end you know, of the army, um, the, um, that, that time, maybe others do it now too, but the Salvation Army gave you this bag of stuff and, um, you know, toiletries and that sort of thing. And in, in that bag was a, is a, was a Bible. Uh, I think there's also a constitution in there too, but it was a Bible. And, um, so I just carried it with me and, um, I had it in my breast pocket, you know, and, and those pockets are big if you, as you guys know. Uh, and so it, it kind of hung down right over my heart and, um, and it, it took a piece of shrapnel and, and a pretty good sized piece of shrapnel. It was embedded in the Bible. It went in a so the Bible is one of those small mini Bibles. It's probably about a uh, half inch maybe thick in thickness, maybe three quarters of uh, of an inch in thickness and the shrapnel was embedded, you know, maybe about a quarter of an inch into it. So, you know, would it have gone into my heart? Um I, you know, I, I don't know. It sure came close and, and it took it for me. And for people who don't know Psalm 37 is a verse in the Bible that says, The meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. It's quite poignant, isn't it? Yeah. That happened at that part of the Bible. Yeah, that's where, that's where it stopped. That's where the, that's where the uh, shrapnel stopped. It's travel. Now, John, after the war, you suffered, like a lot of people, PTSD. Tell us what's that like to people who don't know. Yeah, I, you know, it's undiagnosed, of course, back, especially back in those days. But, um, yeah, well, it's I, it's a mixture of things, really. It's like um, loss, you know, loss of your of your friends, and and uh, and just you know, so you got that, and you're trying to work through that, and um, and just you know, why 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 me? You know, why why did I make it? And others didn't, and. Um, and, and you know, it's just, and, and it's, it, it, you know, whenever it's a trauma, right? So, you know, it, you have someone, this isn't like, like, you know, someone just carrying a gun or pulling a gun on you and you know, kind of with a, a, in your heart of hearts, you know, it's an idle threat. No, this is, this is every day <laughs> and every minute someone, if they have the chance, they're going to kill you That's what, or, or take you out. And that's their goal. And, you know, that's what war is about. And that's, that causes a lot of stress and, and 
and and every every minute you're there and you're in that it's it's if you if you just think about someone trying to kill you for five minutes in your life, you're going to remember those five minutes, hmm. and so you have to carry that with you and and yeah, it just it, to this day you know. I mean, I don't remember everything, but for, you know, but to a great extent, a lot of that stuff is still vivid in my in my memory. It may not have seen that way while we're having this conversation, but it's up there, and those images are very vivid. Does it help you to talk about it, or is it uh, painful to talk about it? Uh, I, I don't I don't prefer talking about it. It's um it's uh yeah I mean I, Jan did a great job with that wall, but but I don't. I don't, I don't, I have to say, Jan, I don't take a whole lot of comfort when I walk by. I, we had some mm-hmm. family in town the other, uh, I guess about a year ago, and it's just very emotional. And, and, um, yeah. you know, I mean, maybe, it, maybe that's what you need, and maybe I'm a bottled up mess, but I, I don't feel like I am. I feel, I feel like I'm okay. Well, thank I you. think we want to thank you and re- uh, wrap this up. Okay. It was nice talking to you guys. Well, John, don't hang up yet because we have a close, and the close is John Weber. Thank you for your service. Oh, thank you, and and you know that that's something that you guys, both Vietnam veterans, you know that that's something that we didn't get a lot of. Um, but I think post nine eleven, uh, you know, I think a couple of things post nine eleven, and and some of the guys. I talked to Jan about this. Some of the guys who served, uh, or some of the guys you know, of our age. Who of uh, the Vietnam War age, fighting age, who didn't serve, um, got in power. You know, they were the ones that were in power. They were in power in corporate American corporations and law firms and that sort of thing. And and you know, they they've justified their 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 not being in the war over these years. And you know, they weren't all that keen on embracing us uh, and kind of reminding them of you know what they didn't do and. But now they're, you know, over the last, over, you know, over the last 20 years or so, they've been leaving the workforce. And, and I find that um, you get a lot more, the, nine, the post-9-11 generation, or they, they unequivocally appreciate us. And what you just said is, is something that you hear all the time, as I'm sure you do, too. And it's just, it just feels great. I love it. Well, that wraps up another special episode of Cat Stories. If you'd like to participate in a future Cat Stories podcast, email your contact information to foocatstories at gmail.com. That's foocatstories at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Cat Stories podcast. I'm Saigon Steve.